Please be seated. And good morning. morning. On this uh, first day of 2023, I want to ask you a question, all souls. What's in a name? What's in a name? Names tell us a story about ourselves, about our community, about our time and our place in the world. What's in a name? My name is William Smith Bryant. And that is a very boring name. I'm sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. (laughs) It just is. It's kind of generic. But it tells a story. I'm told by my parents that I am named after two people. The first name comes from my father, William, and his father's name was also William. I'm told that I could have been a Wiley, but that it was changed to William at the very last second. And I think about that a lot because I feel like my life would have been radically different if I were a Wiley. (laughs) I don't know why I think that. My middle name is Smith. I inherited that name from my mom's college professor and mentor, Temple Smith. And my third name is Bryant. It's my family name. It's the name that has been passed down from generation to generation for Lord knows how long. All of these names, William, Smith, Bryant, tells a story. Tells a story about who I am, who I might aspire to be, the people who have come together over the centuries and the decades to form who I am. I am named after my father and his father to honor him. I am named after my mother's professor because he was a brave and wise and creative person. I have a family name because I, like you, am a product of centuries and centuries of human existence. What is your name? What story does your name tell? That's the story, that's the question I want you to reflect on this morning. If you're having trouble recalling the stories of your name, and assure yourself that you do have a story for your name, if you're having trouble though, I'd like to look at literature to discover how the ways in which names and stories and books tell us something important about the characters. One of the things I love most about reading is discovering the meaning of characters' names in the novels that I read. Oftentimes, authors will give their characters names that tell us something really important about the characters in the story. These are little Easter eggs that make us look back after the story is told that make us go, oh yeah, that's why you're named that. A good example of this is Scout from Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, this strong female protagonist who asks all the questions, who's very brave and fearless, is always pushing the boundaries of things. Scout, it makes sense. Another example of this comes from my favorite book, the Harry Potter series. Some of you might recall Professor Severus Snape. Severus is Latin for severe or strict, and Professor Severus Snape is a strict, strict teacher. He was always busting Harry and Ron for something. Or how about Draco Malfoy? everyone's favorite character from Harry Potter. His first name, Draco, is Latin for snake or dragon. His last name, Malfoy, 
It's French for bad faith. Names in literature, like names in our own lives, they tell us a story. And we would be wise to take note of that today. Today in our church calendar, we celebrate the holy name of Jesus, the feast of the holy name. In Paul's letters today, we are told that God is the one who gives Jesus his name. Paul writes, Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, Jesus. And in giving Jesus his name, God tells us something important about Jesus' character and the critical role that Jesus will play in this story. But it's complex. It's not just Jesus' name that tells us about the character of Jesus, but the context, the whole situation surrounding his naming. In Luke's gospel today, we hear that after eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child and he was called Jesus. The name was given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. It was a custom in ancient Judaism to name a male child at the time of the circumcision, eight days after the birth. This was a critical ritual in that ancient tribe of people. In this act, he was made a member of the people of God in the eyes of the tribe, in the eyes of ancient Israel. That Jesus' parents leaned into this ritual, this custom, that they had him circumcised and named him on the eighth day after his birth, this tells us that Mary and Joseph were law-abiding Jews. They were fully committed to that covenant, the law of Moses. This naming story, the surrounding context, it informs us that Jesus comes into this world fully supported by Jewish law. He's reverent, upstanding, planted in the law in the covenant of Moses and Abraham. He is not just this new embodiment of the covenant to come, but he stands firmly in the covenant of his ancestors. And that is important to know about Jesus' character in this story. But that's not all. The very name Jesus tells us a story as well. It tells us something very critical about this character, Jesus just as our names tell us a story. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, through the angel Gabriel, God tells Mary that she will conceive, a, conceive and bear a son and that she is to call him Jesus and that he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. In naming Jesus, God is telling us something critical about the character of the Messiah, this kid from Nazareth. The name Jesus is Greek, it's a form of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means the Lord helps or the Lord saves. So when we gather like this on Sunday morning to celebrate the holy name of Jesus, we are celebrating God incarnate who has come to help and who has come to save God's people. Now I'd like to point out that this was a crazy thing to do to name your child Jesus. This was a bold and daring step, not only by Mary and Joseph, but by God, to name the child Jesus, the one who helps and saves. And it's easy for us in hindsight because we know the whole trajectory of Jesus' life. But they named Jesus when he was an infant child in a cattle stall, surrounding, surrounded by animals 
completely vulnerable to the elements. And amidst all of that vulnerability, they named him the one who saves, the one who helps. This is audacious. This is outrageous that you would have a child named Jesus in the middle of a barn, exposed to the elements. We cannot overlook what an extraordinary thing it is to name a child Jesus in a manger. Before his teaching and before his preaching, before Cana, before Lazarus, before the miracles, before Golgotha and the cross and the tomb, Jesus was already identified by God as the one who will save and help his people. An eight-day-old infant lying in a manger named Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. In the naming of this tiny child, we catch a glimpse of God's outrageous plan to save the world through a vulnerable little child. To continue the radical story of salvation through the character of Jesus. When I was in seminary, I had the unfortunate assignment of having to look back and study different versions of the Book of Common Prayer. There are far more exciting assignments to have in seminary. There have been many versions of the Book of Common Prayer. This is the red book in your pew. And it might surprise you to learn that our names also carry an audacious, outrageous implication of salvation according to this Book of Common Prayer. The Catechism and the older versions of the Book of Common Prayer, they used to begin with a question, a very simple question. What is your name? And after stating your name, you were then asked, who gave you this name? And to answer this question, you would say the following. My sponsors in baptism, wherein I was made a member of Christ, the child of God, and an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven. Wherein I was made a member of Christ, the child of God, and an inheritor of the kingdom of heaven. Friends, when we too, like Jesus, lean into our rituals, when we lean into our ancient customs and traditions that hold us up, even when we can't hold ourselves up, when we are given our names in baptism, when we are made a member of Christ, a child of God, and an inheritor of God's kingdom, when we allow ourselves to take on this name given in baptism, placed by water and spirit, we are acknowledging, we are telling ourselves, we are holding up the fact that there is something important about our character and the roles that we are to play in the story of God. So I ask you again, what is your name? Yes, you are Stephen. Yes, you are John. You are Lewis. You are Kyle. You are Kelsey. You are Sarah. You are the stories of your family for centuries and centuries, for better or for worse. But on the most fundamental level, you are a beloved child of God, a member of Christ's body, an inheritor of Christ's kingdom. That is your name. That is who you are. 
But that leaves us with a vital question. How are you to live? How are you to live? We are to live as Christ lived. And this morning, as we sang once in Royal David City, I was so captivated by verse 4. For he is our lifelong pattern. Daily, when on earth he grew, he was tempted, scorned, rejected, tears and smiles like us he knew. We are to live as Christ lived, embodying his teaching and example. We are to turn away from evil and wrongdoing, put our faith and trust in Christ, keeping God's commandments, leaning into these ancient rituals which bind all of us together in this crazy cosmic narrative. On this first day of 2023, we celebrate a name. Jesus. And today I ask you to remember your name. Remember your name and your part in this story. And you are not just a passive observer in this story. Don't let yourself think that. You have a very critical role to play. The audacity, the outrageousness of God's plan continues in our own names given to us in baptism. These names identify us with Jesus and the story. And in his holy name, we claim our true identities. Beloved children of God, members of Christ's body, inheritors of Christ's kingdom. That's what's in a name. Amen. Amen.